What's up, everyone? Welcome back to the State of the Arc podcast. My name is Mike. My name is Kason. So I lowered this last time they were here. There we go. Now we're in good shape. <laughs> uh, we left off right before the briefing, um, which you access yep, in the game on the start menu. So before you start a new game, if you filter through the options there in the start menu, um, you'll access this briefing, which is just a series of like security cam sort of recordings yeah. of Snake as he was briefed on this mission yep. that he's about to do. So if you didn't see that, it's more or less just a much longer version of all the stuff Campbell says at the very narrating beginning. as like the sub is approaching yeah, Shadow yeah, Moses sub. and Snake is inside a little SDV and it shoots out. All that dialogue that's going over the top of that sequence, there's a lot longer, more detailed version that happens in the briefing. So we're going to go through that first Sweet. before we actually get into that. Um, for those of you who are wondering, there were some people asking about this. Um, how much will we or are we going to talk about the Twin Snakes version of the game? Um, yeah. I am, so what I'm planning on doing, we'll see if it happens, is to do a playthrough, or at least a semi-playthrough of the Twin Snakes version to get a sense of how it feels to play. Okay. But I am also watching the cutscenes from the Twin Snakes version oh, for cool. comparison. Okay. So, um, yeah, I have a couple notes on that, and mostly, like, from what I can tell so far, it's not, like, super different in terms of dialogue or voice acting or, like, the story itself, but the cutscenes, cinematography, and, and animation in particular are really different, and it does really okay, change yeah, how sure. certain things feel. I haven't seen anything from Twin Snakes at all. Yeah. I might do that in this coming week. Now, there are some differences in the translation. I'm not saying there's none, but they're, in my opinion, minor. There are some cases where I feel one was stronger than the other and back and oh, forth. Oh, yeah. But for the most part, so far, it has been more or less like 85% the same. Okay. Maybe 90%. Is, did, well, the voice acting, is it the exact same recordings or are they new nope, recordings? No, they re-recorded it mm. uh, because some of, like I said, some of the dialogue is different. Yeah. There are certain parts cut or changed, <laughs> but it's like a line here or there. It's not like that much. Okay. Um, so anyway, yeah, I, I, we will be touching on Twin Snakes a little bit. Um, so <clears throat> let's get started here. So at the end of Metal Gear 2, Solid Snake, Snake retires to Alaska. And because this mission is happening on Shadow Moses Island, which is an island in the yeah. Fox Archipelago, the archipelago yeah. of Alaska, this is why they go after Snake to bring him back in mm. forcibly <laughs> to make him listen to this briefing and, well, even more or less force him to accept, though Campbell feels like he knows even if he weren't being forced, he would accept it anyways. This right. new mission. So that's kind of where it starts. It's like the video starts up. It's got this really cool sort of hand-drawn, well, it's pixelated, but it looks kind of like, right. like a, uh, maybe like a comic book or something, mm. the, the, the style of the art here. As Campbell is talking to him, you'll have like that shot of Snake kind of sitting there, and then they'll just yeah, have like yeah. a shadow layer sort of like walk in front. Kind of like a 2D <laughs> thing, yeah. Yeah, yeah but yeah. it's cool, it's cool. No, it's I like it, it's stylized. Yeah, it's the, nice. the style's really awesome, <clears throat> I feel like. And that is one major difference between this and the Twin Snakes version. In the Twin Snakes, I mean, the, the suggestion here is that this is being recorded 
via security cams because they have that filter on it that makes it look like it, you know, right. kind of like a CRT, you know, uh, what, what is it called? Scan lines. Scan lines, yeah. yeah, on top of it. And it'll sort of like, shh, you know, go out and then it's like you put a new tape in and you watch like yeah, the next yeah. part. So that's true, but the, the compositions of the PS1 version are much more cinematic and comic book-like where you get close-ups of Snake's face and you yeah, see yep. the breathing material, whether it be the files, profiles yeah. and uh, maps and yeah. things handed over to him. You see that like up front in the camera, which you wouldn't see from a security cam, no. really. Right. <laughs> but it's way more stylized and cool yeah than what they did in Twin Snakes, which is they literally just have security cams hmm. and Snake and Campbell are like kind of far away from the camera. And so when he's handing him over files, it's like you see Snake looking at it, but you don't see it. And a lot of the, inf this is something I talked about, hmm. geez, when was this? I can't remember if it was um, for Final Fantasy Tactics or, or some other game where when you're giving a lot of expositional dialogue, it really helps to not just have, you know, uh, reverses of your your characters talking yeah. the whole time, yeah, yeah, yeah. but to show like a map. Lots of when things. people yeah, are yeah. talking about lands and <laughs> places and do some kind of animation, yeah. like um, uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark yes, style, of course. right? Yeah. Where you show where they're going, and so in the PS1 version they do that. It's like he'll talk about Shadow Moses Island. And he hands over a map of the archipelago and he shows you where Shadow Moses Island is. Yeah. Instead of just saying it and like handing over a file from afar, right? Yeah. Um, or when he's showing, when he's talking about um, Psycho Mantis and uh, Sniper Wolf and Vulcan yeah, Raven. Yeah, all the names, yeah. And, and even some of the team members you're going to have, um, like, uh, like N Nastasha, I think her name is, the weapons specialist, the nuclear specialist oh, that's right. assigned to you from Los Angeles. Yeah, yeah. They show her picture and they show her profile and you can read more about her life. Mm. And, it, and it, that's not the case in the Twin Snakes version. It's just snakes looking at it and then he sets it on the bed that he's sitting on. But there were a couple of other things that were a little more clear yeah. in that version. Um, so anyways, I'll kind of get into that as we go along, but that's okay. kind of the major difference between the two versions of this scene. So he's sitting there, presumably naked. In the Twin Snakes version, he's got like some boxer shorts on, but um, mm -hmm. it makes more sense to me if he is because of what he says to Dr. Naomi when she comes in. Um, uh, but anyways, He's not a colonel anymore, but he was a colonel at the time that he commanded Snake, uh, commanded Foxhound when Snake was in Foxhound. Yeah, that reminded me a little bit of like Mass Effect kind of stuff. Yes. Like the previous commander yes. is now the, the head leader and you're the new. Yes. So he had retired, Roy Campbell had, and mm -hmm. he's been brought back out of retirement for this mission yeah. as well. That's something important to remember. Um, not going to talk about why just yet, but just keep that in mind for later. They're bringing a lot of people out of retirement, particularly these two who yeah. were previously in Fox Hunt. Um, and uh, he had sent, Roy Campbell had sent black ops soldiers to like capture Snake and like bring him in <laughs> forcibly. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, they did this presumably because they're desperate and they, they really, really need him to hear them out. And he's been in retirement for a few years now because... I think 1997 or 99 was when Metal Gear 2 happened. Yeah, this, something like that. This game happens in 2005, 2005 so it's yeah. been 
six-ish years like that. since Snake yeah. was in Foxhound, and they're bringing him back in now. But they, anyways, he's been brought in <laughs> not by his own will. Yeah. Um, so, you know, they kind of talk about that a little bit. I think Snake mentions, like, I don't know this country anything. I don't know you anything. Okay. I'm not a patriot, you know, stuff yes, like that. Yes, yeah, yeah. He's like, no, you'll, you'll, you'll hear these orders, basically, Campbell's saying. Mm -hmm. This is when Dr. Naomi Hunter enters. She was the chief of Foxhound's medical staff. She's an expert in gene therapy. This yes, is big. particularly. This is kind of the theme of the whole game, and, and yes. she plays a huge part in it. Yes. So, um, I didn't mention this in the first episode, the yeah. Velma History episode, but... With this series, with the Metal Gear series, particularly starting with Solid, oh, yeah, yeah. with the Solid part of that series, the 3D games, yeah. um, there's sort of a, a chain of like the theme that is being explored that um, Hideo Kojima has talked about, and he has like a specific word that acts as like the lens through which we view the theme of the game. Yeah. Metal Gear Solid, the word is gene. Gene, yeah. So a lot about genetics, uh, genetically modifying soldiers, that sort of thing. And again, we talked about the reason why is because this was kind of a big talking point in the mid-90s. Yeah, yep, yep, the mid human genome yeah. is going to be sequenced soon. Yep. What is that going to mean? That's kind of what he's looking at with this. The Metal Gear Solid 2, the word is meme. Meme. Now... So the mimetics, yeah. Yes. Now, the... I actually had looked up the word meme, like definition, the definition of it. Oh, because yeah, like it's a cultural know, artifact. Right? Yes, what yeah. we know it as is picture jokes on Twitter. <laughs> yeah, it's a joke, <laughs> and th yeah. that's true. But that's it's, that's not. <laughs> well, the exactly true part about the picture jokes is that they're culturally significant. That they, it's like a cultural artifact, right? Where we can both look at Michael Scott saying no. And we laugh because we yes. watched the show, we right. run the culture, we understand. Uh, whereas somebody who wasn't part of our culture doesn't have the, the memory, the yes. memes, um, within their background, then they won't get it, right? Yes. So it, it still fulfills the thing, but it's not, yeah. Yes. A, a picture with text, that's, yes. what a, that's what a meme is. That's not what a meme is. The <laughs> nah. reason that is nah, called nah, nah. a meme is because, as this definition has here, yes. it's an Dawkins. idea a behavior, a style, or usage that spreads from person to person within mm. a culture. Yes. So that's what that joke, yeah. that picture image joke is doing. It's spreading, and people are yes. taking it and sort of reusing it again. Right. That's also part of the <laughs> definition. Yes, yes, yes. But the idea is that it's something that is being passed from person to person yeah, within Yeah, through a memory. And that's the idea, I think Richard Dawkins in The Selfish Gene, he talks about extended phenotypes, right? Which mm. is like the, the, um, the world outside of humans, but that's within the influence of humans, right? right. And those things be, get internalized, you know, and you know, like tool usage, right? Mm -hmm. It's not genetic. You teach your kids how to do it, and then they learn how to do it because you showed yes. them how to do it. Right. It becomes mimetic, right? But it, it participates in the external phenotype. So phenotype, phenotypes being like your outward expression of your genes, right? right. Like skin color, eye color, hair color, all that stuff. Um, but then an extended phenotype is like for a beaver, the extended phenotype is the dam that the beaver builds. Yes. Right? That's part of the beaver. Right. Right? But, but it's, 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 actually, that one might actually be a little more genetic now that I think about <laughs> it. It's crazy how yes. certain animals just on genes can do stuff. But for humans, for the most part, we operate almost 
like not entirely, but on a large part, we operate on memes, on memory, on how to use a computer, especially as we get more technologically advanced. Yes. We're separating more and more from the genes, and the memes are in control. You know? Yes. And that's a big part, too, of, of what this game is sort of looking at, is the, the nature versus nurture kind yes. of like concept. Huge. How much Huge. of what makes a great soldier you know, genetic. so amazing. Yeah. How much of that is genetic versus, you know, taught or learned right, exactly. through nurturing versus just their nature, right? Yes. And that's actually right here in the opening scene. Oh, that's great. That's so great. anyways, Gene is the first game's lens through which it, yeah. it, it has its theme to look through. Meme is the second game. By second game, I mean Metal Gear Solid 2. Solid 2. Yeah. Uh, Metal Gear Solid 3 is Scene. Scene, yeah. Uh, Metal Gear Solid 4 is Sense. S-C-E-N-E, right. Yeah, here's the tweet. I was just clarifying for. Yeah, so here's the same. <laughs> yeah, here's this, uh, the yeah, tweet. Yeah, we'll from put this up. Hideo Kojima, put it on. You have Gene that goes to meme, meme to scene. Uh, scene as in like a movie scene, not a movie as in scene. like scene. Yeah, yeah. Uh, sense as in your five senses. Then Peace after that, um, which was Peace Walker, mm, the game Peace right. Walker. And okay. then after that, it was leading up to Metal Gear 5 when he tweeted this back in 2012, which became Revenge. Uh, um, so that's kind of like what it hmm. is viewing that game through. I think there's also, I think there was two for that game, though. It was, it was Revenge and there was one other. Uh, let me go back and look at it again. And Race. Revenge mm. and Race were Metal Gear 5 related. So Interesting. Anyways, <clears throat> so there's going to be a lot of stuff about genetics. But it builds on the base, which is the the you know the bottom, which is genetics, right? Yes. And it kind of builds up from there. Yes, right. Yeah. So that's an interesting. Sequence. So the whole series has sort of like a chain, a thematic <coughs> chain that it follows. Yeah. And sort of builds on. So it's like the foundation is being built here with yeah. the genetic. With the genetics theme, and then it's going to kind of just build on that with each game. Yeah. It's not like moving on to a different thing. It's like just increasing it or, yeah. or building upon a foundation. Building up to revenge, which is kind of surprising. <laughs> <laughs> After wouldn't peace, wouldn't especially. Yeah. Um, okay, so Dr. Naomi Hunter comes in. She's the gene therapy expert, and she comes to give Snake an injection. Now, in the PS1 version of this, because it's kind of just like a picture you're looking at, there's not a lot of animation happening on yeah. it, it gave the sense to me that she's like preparing the needle or something, and he's asking her... What's what is this it? for? Yeah, what is this? And she says, what's wrong? You don't like shots? And then just gives him the shot. <laughs> so no, in, no informed consent. So dodgy. And exactly. <laughs> yes. Now, of course. Uh, he, he's a dog of the, of the government, you know. He, yes. He does what he's told. It's not like he has any say. Right. 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 And so, like, it, but in the, <laughs> in the Twin Snakes version, it's like she gives him the shot, and as it's actually being injected, then he asks, oh, what's in it? Mm. So it felt a little different. Oh, that's different. That right? is different. But I kind of like the former better, where it's I like would, they're, I do. they don't, yeah. they're, they're not really like telling him no. what they should and they be telling They don't treat him like a conscious participant <laughs> in the scheme, the, yes. in, in the scheme, in the plan, you know? Yeah. They're like, you do things, but you're separate from the planning peoples, which is us. Yes. You're just the body that's going to go do the stuff. Yes. <laughs> which means you're our body. Which right. means as long as we want it, that's what gets done. When a gene therapy <laughs> expert comes and gives yeah. you a shot and doesn't tell you <laughs> what it is, yeah, be I'd suspicious. be pretty concerned. Be suspicious. Be very suspicious. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> she does later explain 
uh, that yeah. it's a combination of nanomachines and an anti-freezing peptide because mm, he's going to be swimming right. in the Arctic Ocean of yeah. Alaska. Alaska, dude. Yeah, like really cold. So he's going to have this suit that he's wearing, which is like the latest, you know, technology to like yeah. keep him warm. But also this anti-freezing peptide she's put into his bloodstream. Yeah, it sounds, which, sounds like a bad idea, but yeah, <laughs> maybe it but would work. apparently all the other soldiers there have something like it as well, which keeps yeah. them from freezing. So it's the only thing that keeps him alive during that infiltration sequence. The only reason he can get in there is yeah. because she gave him this shot. But the nanomachines also resupply him with adrenaline and nutrition and sugar in his bloodstream. Yeah, and I think they can even potentially give him like painkillers and other types of things that right. are just like pre-programmed uh, in. So he's like, oh, nice, I don't have to worry about food like while I'm there, right? Um, and then also, breathe, breathe she also says nootropics or no nootropics, which mm. is a class of drugs that improves mental functioning. Mm. So he's like, oh, so you made me smarter, huh? You know? <laughs> Uh, and then uh, <coughs> Bezadrine, or Benzadrine, I can't remember which it was, which is a drug that will keep him awake, so he, you know, mm. it keeps him alert. Because he's going to be there for 18-ish hours, right? So... Can't um, get sleepy. Yeah. Um, also, the, the nanomachines will charge his codex batteries. So oh, that's right. So he can constantly stay in And the codex it. operates by... It's like internal, and it, yes. it just vibrates the bones of his ear. Yeah. So no one else can hear it. Right. Only he can Only hear he it. Only he can hear. Yep. And that's important. Well, that's important to understand because often we'll be talking on the codex, like in very high-stakes <laughs> situations, and we're just like on our phone, just like, hey, Campbell, what do I do? Um, but that doesn't explain when we respond, though. Right, I, we I'm talk. pretty sure we'd still have to talk out loud. So it, it covers about half of the awkwardness Maybe thing. they have another one in his in the vocal throat, cords. And he can just, <laughs> just really <laughs> quietly and they can hear him. Maybe, maybe. I don't know how well that would work, though. I wonder. Anyway. Um, so after that sequence, he, he cut thrust joke out there. I guess I can call you when I'm ready to go on a diet. So you can just have, like, nanomachines give just, him nutrition. Yeah, eat all eat. of the, yeah, eat all the fat. <laughs> That's funny. Now, this, is, this leads me to something else I wanted to talk about. Mm. We, we sort of touched on this last time, but I kind of want to say it again. There is a tone here, um, which sort of like, it rides between, like we said, the absurd or the ridiculous. Yeah, the and silly. The really <coughs> philosophically deep, but then in the middle of yes. that is also kind of this B action movie cool factor. That's like this, the, the garment that it's wearing. Like yes. that's, that's <laughs> it's, it's, yeah, it is this thing, but on the outside it's presented in this form of this 80s, 80s B action movie. Yes. Yeah. And there was a good comment about this that I want to read from last week really quick. It was from Heon about his, his reasoning why he thinks that it works. Because like I mentioned the voice, that Snake's voice yes. puts you in that weird state where you're kind of willing to go either way mm. to the absurd or to the, the philosophical. Yes. I, I really like the, the gist of it is like there's self-awareness in everything here. Yes. It feels very intentional. Yes. And so, like, being able to feel that helps you know, like, this wasn't like, oh, the guy made this really cringy not knowing that this actually isn't cool. I, you know what I mean? I would argue that there are at least a couple points where that may have happened. That's but, what the other guy said. But, <laughs> but for the most part, yes, it is very self-aware, which a lot of the uh, B-movie action flicks were more yes. or less self-aware. Yes. Like, they knew... 
the budget wise they weren't doing the things that you know maybe the big movies could do but that they were still you know doing whatever yeah. with what they had there was actually a, like Sam Raimi's Evil Dead is a great example of that I know yes. that's more of a horror film but it's very self-aware of yes. what it is Sam Raimi movies in general just are in super general. self-aware yeah. like he knows that it's almost like the priority here is fun above yes, like exactly. trying exactly. to make some you know profound work of art or something right and so when it's choices experience, right? about tone have to be made, it's like, well, we're trying to make this fun and, and, right. and, and you know, so the jokes, the one-liners, yeah. the, the hitting on the girls in these situations <laughs> yeah. where it would not where it be realistic sense. to yeah. do that are always going to take the precedence because first of yeah. all, we're trying to make people have fun with this yes. story, right? And you know what? This game yeah. is very fun. It is. Like even just the story. It's a, it's a fun story. Yeah. Um, so, what Heon says here is, my personal theory for why Metal Gear Solid manages to get away with the abrupt tonal extremes is because of the heightened realism, he puts in quotes, and absurdity of the game as a whole that flags its own tones up front in such a way that audiences can spot not only its deliberacy, but also the marks of the creator's social awareness. The presence of the game is already, or the premise of the game is already absurd. A single guy taking on a small army of terrorists and a giant mm, mecha. Yeah. Right, that's crazy. Yeah. And things like Psychomantis' power is exposited with full seriousness and dramatic gravitas sandwiched between military tech and political jargon. Right. You're never left to wonder whether this stuff made its way into the game by accident as a result of Kojima and co. being tone deaf or not recognizing what they're doing. On top of the fact that the game itself frequently delivers its absurdities with an ironic and self-aware charm that endears the audience yes. to the choices. Including breaking the fourth wall several yes, times. Several right. times. Um, Metal Gear Solid's camp, as opposed to, say, certain other Japanese games that I won't mention by name, is the distinction between your middle-aged uncle making a funny yet inappropriate joke at a family dinner that reflects his understanding of the room and life experience, as opposed to, say, a 16-year-old MMO player choosing the username XX Dark Sephiroth Assassin XX, having watched Advent Children a few too many times. The <laughs> essence of something being cool and functionally absurd versus not being it is basically a matter of doing it in a way that reflects self-awareness and a lack of cringy pretensions. Now, I want to read the first yeah. response to that because I do think that it's a good point. Yes. While I agree with some of your assessment, I definitely, oh, this is Aaron Nicewanger, by the way. While I agree with some of your assessment, I definitely think that Metal Gear Solid as a series isn't lacking in cringy pretensions, and the absurdity and camp goes overboard with Metal Gear Solid 2. I enjoyed MG1 and 2 and Solid, so Metal Gear, Metal Gear 2, and Metal Gear Solid, but with Metal Gear Solid 2 and everything oh, after, future games. Gotcha. it was too over the top and silly for me to the point that it drastically undercut any of the serious elements. And Heon goes on to say it's a perfectly valid take. And Fair enough. They both have very good points. So. <clears throat> sure. Yeah. Nice. So anyways, I, I, yeah. I, I was kind of struggling to voice like why yeah. I felt that it works in Metal mm -hmm. Gear Solid. And I did watch some cutscenes from Metal Gear Solid 4 last night as I was kind of preparing notes. And I <laughs> absolutely the see the, like, like the, where it starts going too far. Yeah, right? yeah. Metal Gear Solid, I feel, is like it rides the line almost perfectly very, all very, the way very through. Well, yeah. There's a spot here or there where maybe it doesn't, but yes. almost all the time it seems to really work and fit. Um, in the same way that something like 
Kung Fury does. The, <laughs> oh gosh, the man. online short film. So funny. That is a parody of eighties action. Of eighties, yeah, yeah. And it just, it just. Now that's more of a parody, and Metal Gear Solid isn't. Yes. It's more. It leans more serious than that does. But yes, the point is, there's a self awareness to it, and yeah. a social awareness that yeah. you just know the guy knows his yeah. material. He knows what he's what he's uh, copying. And he yeah. does it in a way that is really funny and on point, and it's just perfectly, and it's fun. It's so much fun to watch. And this feels <clears> similar, yeah. just more on the dramatic side than on the comedy side of things. Right. Though it does have its fair oh, share it of comedy, Oh, it is quite too. funny. I typed <laughs> LOL into my notes way too many times. <laughs> <laughs> I did too, actually. A lot of times, like, this thing I wrote, lol. lol. Like, it's just... You know, it's funny, just for people who don't know us, which is, yeah. I guess, all of you. Um, we don't use oh, LOL. We don't say we, LOL. We say it ironically, <laughs> but it makes lol. it funnier. <laughs> yeah, It exactly. makes it funnier I actually to just put lol sometimes. That. I know, I know. I forgot that's, people don't say lol. That's like an AOL instant messenger thing from, yeah. like, 20 years ago. <laughs> I think people, some, some people might still say well, anyways, yeah. Nowadays, it's just the emoji with the smiley face and the cry, right. the X, the, the crying yeah. face, yeah. Yeah. laughing face. Okay, anyway, so I just wanted to make that point real cool. quick. Um, and and in addendum to that, I guess in the the Twin Snakes version of this scene, and in Twin Snakes in general, yeah, this is just like a general criticism most people and uh, that I share of Twin Snakes. It takes its animation and 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 uh, cin- cinematics to that level of absurd yeah. to where it steps over that line in the same way that MGS4 does for me. Hmm. Um, where it's just like, this is so silly that it's dumb now. It's almost right? like the, what would you call it, the limitations of early hardware, the limitations money-wise, the limitations like team, how big his team was, that that was all a good thing yes. for him. Yes. That just like George Lucas with yes. his special edition and stuff, it's like once, once you are able to actually do what you actually really did want to do to begin with, yes. all of a sudden people are like, oh, that's what this was supposed to be like. <laughs> it's just a lot less uh, interesting, yes. I guess. That's actually a really good point. Yeah. But, you know, Kojima, you make your name, then you get the budget, and then you can do really what you want to do. And most people are excited. They're like, oh, let's see what he can really do. Um, for the most part, most artists, I think, the constraints actually make their art better. Yes, uh, 100%. I agree yeah. with that so, 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 so much. Yeah. And I think it's proven time and time again, particularly with the stuff that we look at. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, anyway, uh, yeah. In, in the Twin Snakes version of this scene, you have like these, these parts, like the part where he's like, I'm not a patriot. I don't owe you or this country anything. Right? Yeah. In the PS1 version, he's still sitting down and he says oh, that right. and he's, he's getting a little, he's escalating a little bit with his voice. But mm-hmm. it's not like crazy. In the Twin Snakes version, he gets up and he's like shoving Campbell around, and it's just like, okay, dude, like, <laughs> that's just What's up that? that's just kind of dumb. Like, yeah. and but but then later in the scene, they're like touching each other's uh-huh. shoulders and, and talking, and like, and being endearing. To, it's just like uh, anyway, there's some really dumb animation that's supposed to be funny, I think, but isn't in the Twin Snakes version mm. of the scene. And so, if you want to take a look at the two of those in light of what Heon's comment was. Okay, It's yeah. sort of like, you'll start to see the point, I feel. Good. Okay, <clears throat> so let's actually get into the brief. <laughs> Campbell starts to brief him on what's going on. So, five hours ago, previous to this moment, uh, Foxhound, which is now commanded by Liquid Snake, mm-hmm. um, 
led a group of next generation special forces to take over a nuclear disposal facility on Shadow Moses Island, which like we said, is off the coast of Alaska in the Fox Archipelago, which is yeah. a real thing. Yeah. Shadow Moses Island obviously isn't a real island, but. <laughs> I don't think so. No. Maybe it is. Um, I was, I was actually looking at it. <laughs> okay. And I was like, I was like, it would be awesome as if like, I don't know, someday I, that you were to do a cruise to Alaska because they do those, right? Yeah. And you like take a boat out and it's like, I found Shadow Moses Island. You yeah. found it. Take a but, selfie. <clears throat> that'd be sweet. Um, anyways, this is why they came for Snake though, because Snake had retired to Twin Lakes, Alaska, ah, which is right. kind of in the southernish part near where that archipelago kind of yeah, tapers yeah. off mm -hmm. of Alaska there. Um, so the terrorists have given Washington a single demand. They want the remains of Big, of Boss. Big Boss. Yeah, they want his DNA. Yes, so his genes. As Campbell says here, to be more accurate, cell specimens which contain the individual's genomic information. Yep. The terrorists need them. You see, the next these next generation special forces have been strengthened through gene therapy. You've heard of the Human Genome Project. They've been mapping the mm -hmm. human genome and they're nearly finished. Following yep. up on this research, the military's been working towards identifying those genes which are responsible for making effective soldiers. Using gene therapy, they're able to transplant those genes into regular soldiers. So the idea here is the human genome is nearly finished being right. sequenced. <clears throat> when that's done, we'll know what makes the most awesome soldier ever. Yeah. then we can just give those genes to all of our soldiers and all of our soldiers will be the most awesome soldier yes. ever. And whoever has that technology will now be the best army in the world kind of a thing, right? Right. So in, in essence, what the terrorists want is the genomic information of the greatest soldier of all time, yeah. Big Boss, Big so boss. that they can begin giving that to their own soldiers, right? Yeah. Um, so, uh, I forgot the term. What is the term when you ask the question back or ask questions over and over again? In Japanese? Yes. Aizuchi. Yeah. So yes. we we talked about oh, that's a lot of that. <laughs> I'd actually take some notes on that. Yeah. Yeah. So we talked about Aizuchi. Yes. In uh, the Zeno Final Gears? Fantasy VIII. Oh no, Xenogears. Zeno Probably Zeno both. Gears. Probably both though. Uh, for sure, the first episode of Xenogears we for had like sure. a lengthy segment on that. Yes. And I remember even back then all these people were talking about they, in the comments, Metal Gear? <laughs> just typing that into <laughs> yes. the comments. That's basically what Snake does through the whole game. It is. The whole game, he just restates the question, or restates yes. the statement in the form of a question. Yes, to yeah. get more information. To get more it. info. Um, so if you want a more, because uh, you know some people watching this probably haven't seen that. Yeah. If you have not seen that segment of what the concept of Aizuchi is in Japanese, go watch that because it sounds weird in English. Yeah. But it's a very common thing in Japanese. Very common. Um, it's actually a good way to learn Japanese is to yeah. practice Aizuchi a lot. As yes. people start talking to you, you but can buy yourself a little bit of time by repeating the last few words they said back to them in the yes. form of a question. Yes. Whether even if it's a question to yourself. Yes. That's common in Japanese. Often when you'll see a question, sometimes they're asking it to themselves. Uh, but it's it's still Aizuchi, and then yeah. you can give an actual response. Yeah. Right. It's good stuff. So you'll see that all the time. Yeah. Um, he'll always ask, he'll talk about gene therapy. Gene therapy? And then gene they'll go therapy. on about it. And then he'll ask a question about that, and then they'll keep going on about it. Yeah. Uh, go watch the first podcast for Xeno Gears to learn more about that. Yeah. Um, so this is where Naomi Hunter steps in, the doctor. 
She says, I'll explain this part. With gene therapy, we can remove those genes which we know may lead to sickness or disease, and at the same time splice in genes with beneficial effects, such as resistance to cancer, for example. And then Campbell comes back in. In other words, we can overcome all sorts of genetic diseases, and at the same time add genetic characteristics as desired. Um, the strongest <coughs> soldiers it's, don't... It, yeah. Oh, this is Naomi again. And this is key here. The strongest soldiers don't become what they are by acquiring their skills through training or experience. We now know that hereditary factors are far more crucial for creating superior soldiers. So what she's saying is that the genetic factor, the nature, is more important to making a great soldier yes. than the nurture, the teaching part. And that is Naomi's position, position in, yeah. As in a gene story. therapist. Yes, as a gene therapist. <laughs> I mean, it makes so sense. it makes sense. Yeah, I'm not... Now, it's funny, hearing this is funny. If any of you are interested as to whether this is like real science, it's kind of not really. Yes. Um, this in, would probably be, have been speculation yes, at the time. Where it's like, oh, once we sequence the genome, we can do this or that. It's like, well, not really, kind of, but it's way more complicated than that. And then the other part here about uh, finding like the genes that turn on cancer and stuff. Like can't, so it's like we can repair your cells easily, but then also prevent cancer. Yes. But the, the um, I don't know, the, the, what would you call it? The parts of the <laughs> cells that the are geared towards repair. Well, the cells specifically oh. that are geared towards repair. I guess it would be part of the, the DNA and the genes. Um, if it gears towards repair, that, that becomes cancer. The cells mm. begin to repair and replicate themselves it, without control. Oh, so right. you actually don't want excessive repairing for your cells, you want to allow a little bit of, of the decay and the, the, what would you call it, the uh, unraveling of the DNA kind of yeah. at the ends at the telomeres and stuff. Yes. You don't want to just repair every single problem because eventually there will become a problem that the body starts doing repairs for that it didn't need to fix mm. and that's cancer. That yes. literally is cancer. So anyways, they're, they're, what they're saying here is that, oh, we'll be able to repair and prevent cancer um, like perfectly is... Um, what we understand a little more now is like that's kind of the problem <laughs> yes. with cancer is that right. your body is trying to repair itself a little right. too much. Um, so anyways, this is uh, not yet come to pass. I'll just yes. put it that way. This has been 25 um, years. This is part of the problem with, you know, kind of taking from the what modern science understands at the time you're writing your story and mm -hmm. making some kind of prediction Into for the future. a near future yeah, yeah. time period. Even just a few just years. 10 years away. Yeah, <laughs> I think seven years. This game came out in 98 and 2005. I think it was 96 this game came out. Oh, okay. Yeah, so it would have been and then in 90 nine, nine Okay, years. yeah, you got it. Yeah. Okay, gotcha. Yeah, so, yeah, even, uh, but, you know, if you're going to predict 200 years into the future, well, you won't be Good around. Good freaking so luck, man. When people... <laughs> um, criticize you for yeah. the things you didn't see correctly, at least you won't be around to see that, right? Right. But <laughs> but the, with the this one, who, it's just yeah. a few short years, and it's like, hey, we've already yeah. passed that. Yeah, it, it's, it's, the, <laughs> it's the whole um, Back to the Future effect, right? It's oh, like yes. 2015, he goes and everyone's the future, and everyone's taking pills for food. And flying cars. <laughs> flying cars. And like... Uh, what was it? They they did the dehydrated food where they put it into a thing and it like the little pizza becomes the big pizza. Oh, nice. Yeah, uh, I can't remember that actually. Anyways, there's all this technology that's just yeah, like yeah. yeah, there's nothing like the world. Dude, seven shoes, self-lacing sneakers. Yeah, yep. all kinds cool. of stuff. Of you know, floating. Yeah, skateboards. Skateboards. <laughs> you know, 
Now, yeah. that movie's not trying to accurately predict. It was trying to be a fun movie. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, uh, and I think I've brought this up other times, Isaac Asimov, who was really good at this, by the way. Yeah. Really good at making pretty convincing predictions pretty about the future and yeah. things like that. Um, even, like, robotics have taken, like, people who are uh, engineers have sort of taken some of his principles of robotics and they've, like, applied it to their work, I think, right? Like, the yeah. laws of robotics, I think, are actually... Like a thing? Oh, am, yeah. I, am I mistaken about that? I thought I that, actually, that was true. I haven't actually read much of Asimov, so I don't know much okay. about those particular. So iRobot, right? The the laws of robotics that keep robots from harming humans. Gotcha, it's gotcha. Like the the hierarchy of yes. laws that they follow. Anyway, and that's more or less held with I AI. I thought and stuff? so. I hmm? could be completely wrong about that. I don't know. <laughs> I thought I remembered reading that. I do remember that, and then there's the the conflict of protect humans from themselves, and then it's like, okay, yeah. well, then what do you do? Uh, anyways, <coughs> uh, as good as he was at some of his predictions, he he predicted that in a in a very very like far a thousand distance, years, like right? fifteen thousand oh years, uh, a galactic civilization yeah. in which. They don't even know the origins of their own species. They okay, don't even yeah. know what planet they came from uh -huh. anymore. Like that history has been lost, which yeah. feels very convincing and believable, right? Like if you mm. go back ten thousand years in our past, like you know oh, what dude, records we don't do know we anything. have? Yeah. yeah, right. We so know very little. So fifteen thousand years in the future, it's a galactic civilization. They don't. They're they're arguing about which planet was like the birth planet the of first the human one. race. Right? Yeah, yeah. But people read newspapers. They still read newspapers. <laughs> yeah, it's just like okay, like <laughs> foresight on some things that just in other areas, it's impossible to do. I that, know right? you but can't know what's going to happen, what per, well, like what new technology is going to replace everything. Sure. Yeah. So anyway, you know, just keep that in mind in terms of this gene therapy stuff with this game. It's funny because they technically can cure cancer, but then it leads to the degradation of the of the, the DNA way too quickly, right? Because right? you right. just get it rid of the repair mechanism. <laughs> right, and, so and it's like, okay, well, that's not exactly a good thing. <clears throat> another thing to keep in mind is that like, the, the world of Metal Gear Solid diverts pretty quickly away from, because they talk about like, the, the Watergate scandal. Yeah, Watergate it's and like, uh, Ed, J. Edgar Hoover. Yeah, it's like, this is the way I would look at this. Metal Gear Solid's world was like the same as ours up until about the 1980s-ish. Yes, and yeah, then it's okay. like an alternate reality split, gotcha. basically. That's like Nier. Nier yes. did something similar. And basically what comes in the following games has a, is such a completely different world that there's no point in really like being as um, thorough, I guess, and sort of yeah. like talking about like, is this realistic or not? It like it diverges to such a point where it's just a totally different universe, basically, and it is consistent with itself going forward. But it will not be very <laughs> consistent with our world, right? <laughs> so just anyways, keep that in mind. Fair enough. Okay. <clears throat> um, so he says to Snake, Campbell does, Snake, we can't give them his body. It's potentially more dangerous than all the nuclear warheads on that island put together. I laughed out loud at that when I played it. <laughs> how many? How many nukes were there? Uh, I don't know. There's at least one, but oh, there's multiple. They say later in the game, there's a whole a whole warehouse okay. full of nuclear warheads. So I was I was sitting there talking yeah. with the chat when I was streaming this about like how can any army of human beings, no matter how advanced they beat are, nukes. be yeah. more dangerous <laughs> than nukes? And it's been a yeah. long time, like a really long time, since I've played this series. So yeah. I'm kind of remembering stuff as I'm going through <clears> it. Um, but they assure me that it makes sense 
in universe here to say that because okay. it's not so much about sheer destructive power as it is about like control mm. and like this is going to become more clear with like later games. Okay. Um, so, anyways, like just take that for what it is with that gotcha. statement. But um, the terrorists are calling themselves the sons of Big Boss, mm. and that may seem like okay, that's a cool name or whatever, They're, they want Big Boss's remains to do this gene therapy stuff, but it's actually more significant than you think, so just keep uh, that in mind for later. Okay, hmm. uh, Snake is given two objectives. First, rescue the DARPA chief. DARPA stands for Defense Advanced Research Projects Agency. It's a real agency. Yeah, it's a real agency, yeah. Um, his name is Chief Donald Anderson. And then the president of ArmsTech, a private uh, weapons developer. Yeah. Just the company is called ArmsTech. Which I don't think that one's real. I don't think that one's real. His name is Kenneth Baker. The two of them are being held hostage. Uh, and so that's his first objective, save those guys. Yeah. Um, secondly, he has to ascertain whether the terrorists really have the capability of launching a nuke. Yeah. And if they do, stop them from doing it. Yes. So those are the two main objectives for Snake on this mission. Um, took down some dialogue I thought was kind of funny in that B-movie kind of way, in that Kung Fury kind of way. <laughs> yeah. Is your life in Alaska really all that great? There's a dog sled race next week. Next Saturday, I have to be in Anchorage. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Yeah, he's a musher. Yeah, yeah. He says that later so, on. He's a, when he's did you a become musher. a dog musher? Yeah. It's like, right now, my 50 huskies are my only family. I've got to take care of them. <laughs> it's like, it's such a I love, ridiculous line I know, of dialogue. But I, but I love that. But it's I delivered love that. perfectly. It's so good. <laughs> <laughs> my 50 huskies are my only family. You can like, I don't know, it's just... And how serious awesome. he is. Yeah, and he's then, like but very how hardcore, serious about it. But then he's got all these little dogs, you know. It's yeah. just great. So Campbell goes on to say, like, you will accept this assignment. Like, basically, you're going to do it no matter what. Because he tells him, you don't have to worry about your dogs anymore. It's like, what do you mean by that, right? Yeah. So then he's like, uh, why should I be stupid enough to do that? I'm no patriot. And then Campbell says, Snake, there's enough dirt in your file from your days as an agent to keep you in the stockade until you're a very old man. So it's, oh, I see, blackmail. Yes. It's like, no, Snake, I prefer to look at it as helping you come to a decision more easily. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway. Campbell. I know you better than that. You take this assignment even without the threat. And then he's like, okay, why do you say that? You're a natural-born soldier. You're, uh, this is also kind of B-movie cliche to me. Yeah. You're a natural-born soldier. Yep, yep, yep. You're not the one to grow old gracefully. Uh, it's the same for all of us who have seen real action. The only place we can feel truly alive is on the battlefield. There you go. You've tried to play the Boy Scout out there in Alaska, but you can't race dogs in the snow forever. So it's like, you know, I know you. Nice. You, uh, you have to fight to feel alive kind of a thing, right? Yep, yep, yep. Once a soldier, always a soldier. Um, so, uh, he goes on to explain how even with the most advanced equipment, they cannot see inside of that base on Shadow oh, Moses, yeah. which is why they need uh, someone to actually infiltrate and report. And then Snake says, sounds like a spy movie. <laughs> <laughs> of course. And this was one of, this is another example from the Twin Snakes version I hated. Um, here he just says, sounds like a spy movie. And it's a, it's a funny line. It's, right. It's silly. This does. Well, what I wrote down here was this has a very Mission Impossible feel. Yes. Yeah. But in the Twin Snakes <clears throat> version, he does the 
James Bond gun, you know, how they all open at up. At the security camera? Yeah, no, he does it at Campbell. Oh, okay. Sounds like a spy movie. It's just, it's so lame, dude. It's cringy as fetch. <laughs> like, that's <laughs> stepping over the line. The line itself yeah, yeah. is already silly I know. enough. It's, it already <laughs> almost breaks the fourth wall. It calls attention yes. to the fact that you're playing a game, a game. that's yes. meant to be kind of like a movie. It's already silly. You don't have to, yeah. like, make it more so yeah. by, like, <laughs> It's so <laughs> stupid, dude. So then he asks what the insertion method is, and he talks about how they're going to take a sub within a few miles, but they can't get too close because the engines will be heard yeah, they'll by, get picked up. you know, a sonar within sonar, the base. Yeah. So then we're gonna shoot you in a torpedo, but that doesn't have its own propulsion system. They call right. it an STV, which is a swimmer delivery vehicle. Which is a real thing. Yes. Um, my, uh, my grandfather was a Navy SEAL in Vietnam. Oh yeah. Sorry, my grand uncle, not grandfather. Yeah. Wow, how'd you put it? Your grandfather's brother. An old dude, yeah, my grandfather. No, my grandmother's sister's husband. Oh, so we're not know. actually okay. genetically related. <laughs> so we're mimetically related, but not genetically. Okay, so um, <laughs> anyways, he was a Navy SEAL in Vietnam, and that was kind of the when the Navy SEALs were first, you know, getting going. And he did this same kind of thing. He um, got shot out of a submarine in a, oh. like a, a, it was like a missile, but it was, wow. it was him. That's he was crazy. inside of it, and it was like, this is probably something yeah. that they were advised on then by the military. I'll leaders. bet you, yeah, you know, I'll bet you. Like you could do this, you know, that's how it's been done. Yeah, just shoot it out, and then, but then at some point he has to abandon the, the, yeah. the little ship and then swim the rest of the way because it has no propulsion of its own. Yeah. So once it comes to a stop, he's got to dispose of that, and then swim the rest of the way. And he's like, "You want me to swim through sub-zero Alaskan water?" <laughs> and he's like, "Don't worry, we've given you the latest in polythermal like thermal diving suits." And you right. got the antifreeze peptide thing in your nanomachine injection you just got. So I can't imagine how that works. But <laughs> that's just great. And then he asks, anyone going with me? And Campbell says, as usual, it's a one-man infiltration mission. And Snake asks, weapons and uh, equipment OSP? And I kind of like that they do this. They so, don't tell you exactly what it means. Yeah, they don't tell you what it means yeah. in the dialogue, but he will put in parentheses in the, um, in the what do you call it? The, the subtitle. The subtitle. Yeah, yeah. On-site so, procurement. Yeah, on-site procur yeah. procurement. But he, don't, he doesn't have to explain to Snake what OSP means so that yeah, the audience yeah. understands it. As you know. Yeah, yeah. right. Yeah. They kind of avoid that. At this point, they do, yeah. In, by just in the text itself, putting in parentheses what that means. And they do that yeah. several times. So that you can kind of follow the terminology, the jargon, right? If there's another way of putting it later on, I think we'll still get to it here, uh, but is that, <clears throat> then Campbell tells Snake that he's naked. It's like, yes. remember, you're naked, no equipment yeah. or weapons. Right. right. <clears throat> I, I bring that up a little bit later on to illustrate a different point, but yeah, they're using these words like naked, what does it mean, right? Yeah. Well, it means you're vulnerable. Yes, right. right. Doesn't mean you're really naked. <laughs> exactly. <clears throat> um, so, weapons and equipment OSP, he says, yes, this is a top secret black op, don't expect any official support. Yes, no one knows you're here, and if they find you, we will disavow. Yep. Which is very Mission Impossible. Yes, very much so. Very much kind of what yep. those scenarios are like. It's like, no one is supposed to know you're doing this, and if you mess it up, we're going to pretend that you were rogue, and, and you that were just you were never, we had never sent you in there. It was yep. not us, it was you. So, the um, voice acting in the intro, I think, is actually really good. It's awesome. Yeah. Really good. So Snake has 24 hours to complete the mission at the time he's here, even though five hours ago the 
uh, demand was made. So mm. what would that be? 29 19. hours Oh, I see. Total. Down to 24. But gotcha. then by the time he actually gets on site, it's going to be 18 hours. Okay. So at the time that they're here talking to each other, it's 24 hours before the deadline. Um, that's when they claim that they'll launch a nuke if they haven't received the remains of Big Boss yet. But they have not mentioned a target. So they, they, they don't know who mm. they're shooting at. Um, and so Snake is talking about like, well, has Washington called the COG yet? And they don't tell you what that is in the text. I think it means Council of Governments, which is like, we don't, know, don't know where this nuke might go. So the governmental leaders all uh. come to a place and they go somewhere safe underground. Oh, interesting. And I think that's what he's referring to. Like, hmm. have they called the COG yet? Basically, get all the presidents yeah. in a place so that they don't die, so that the governments can continue running if some capital... That sounds like that could be taken advantage of. Yeah. Call the COG and then nuke that place. Right. <laughs> and now every leadership. <laughs> right. Um, but they won't do it because there's a treaty that's about to be signed the very next day. That's like, yeah. a, a, is it a denuclearization or something? They call it the something three agreement. Yeah, right? I can't remember. And it's between Russia and America. And um, America doesn't want word to get out that this incident's happening. Right. Because if it does, and if everyone in the world knows, knows that, that they're developing metal then gear. it will be a problem, right? Because yeah, right. we aren't doing what we're supposed to be doing. Right. So that's why it's like, no, you can't call a COG. Yeah. Because we'd have to admit that there's stuff going on here that puts them all at risk. Yeah. And... Um, also, the, he says the Secretary of Defense yeah, is sort yeah. of like directly. It's like the President of the United States is basically like... He's out of the loop. Well, um, he's in the loop in, in, in the sense that he's... He, it's going all the way up to that level of chain of command. But like, sure. they haven't called the COG yet, so the Secretary of Defense is handling this. He's handling it, that's right. right. now. And they say the President needs to maintain plausible deniability, so he can't be all that involved in this stuff. So... Uh, Okay, let's see. Oh, Snake then mentions that they need a nuclear weapons specialist, not some like desk jockey guy. Because Campbell says that they've already been assigned one. Um, he's like, we don't need some desk dude. We need like a real, you know, nuclear weapons specialist. And he's mm. like, no, no, of course we know that. Uh, it's going to be Na Na Nastasha Romanenko. And then her profile, they're showing her profile as like he's talking about her. Yeah. Um, she was born in Ukraine and her family was showered by the radiation from the Chernobyl disaster. Oh, of course. Her parents were involved in, and assisted in the cleanup and then they died. Yeah. And then she came to America and joined the DIA and sort of like that's how she got involved. Um, I laughed at this too. It snakes as a female analyst. <laughs> like, okay, dude. <laughs> Uh, but he's excited, though. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, he, he, he likes he likes women a lot. Snake's a little chauvinistic there. Yeah, just a little. Um, bit. Uh, Campbell assures him she's built up an impressive record as an advisor for the nuclear emergency search team, so she knows what she's doing. Um, <clears throat> okay, so then Snake says, "Colonel, you're retired. Why are you involved in this?" And Campbell says, because there aren't many people who know Foxhound as well as I do. And then Snake says, is that really the only reason? And he says, I've been soldiering for a long time. I don't know anything else. I guess even though I'm getting a little old, I still love to be in the field. And he sa uh, Snake says, Colonel, you're a lousy liar. Tell me the real reason. <laughs> and he says, okay, Snake, sorry, I'll be frank. And basically his niece, uh, Meryl Silverberg, 
has is is a hostage there yeah, at the base yeah. as well. Um, she was called in. She's a rookie soldier. Yeah, she she's just only got out eighteen. Of, yeah, you yeah. see that in her profile. She's really young. So uh, she was called in as a replacement when several soldiers from the base went missing, like mm -hmm. a few days ago. So she was one of the, the soldiers sent to replace them um, uh, on the day of the revolt. And her profile says that she has no real combat experience uh, at all, but has gone through VR simulation combat training. Ah, of course. Um, they kind of bring that up a couple times. And they have a VR simulation sort of combat training mini game in the menu start screen as well. Hmm. Kind of before you start a new game, you can go to the VR and like do a whole bunch of levels oh, to like train and learn how to play the game. I agree. <laughs> um, that would have been helpful. Also, I wrote lol on this. <laughs> what? has received psychotherapy not to be attracted to those of the opposite sex. <laughs> it's just like, why, dude? Why is that necessary? <clears throat> I, can why? Tell you, I can tell you some that the if she's in the military, she's with a bunch of dudes all the time. Sure. Now, that happens why? for real women in real life. I know. It's, it's, it's life. <laughs> why it's normal. We, why? <laughs> that, that's all that I got to say about that. It's so <clears throat> dumb, dude. Anyway. So she's... Um, she's received official, like, psychotherapy to not be attracted to, be. to those of the opposite sex. Okay. Okay. Uh, Snake asks why the DARPA chief and the president of Arbs Tech were at the facility at all. He's like, why were they there? It's fishy. Uh, Campbell explains that they were doing these secret exercises um, and tests. Hmm. Um, and Snake asks if they were testing a weapon and Campbell says he's not privy to that information. Of course, we learn when we go talk to them directly, that's exactly what they were doing. They were yes. testing a new Metal Gear. Yes. Uh, Arms Tech was the private company hired by the United States to develop um, a new Metal Gear that they would use as a deterrent for other countries it's developing It's always defensive. Yeah, it's all, oh, defensively, of course. Defensively. <laughs> that's We the need 20,000 nukes, defensively. <laughs> Yes, okay, yeah, yeah. So that's what's really going on, but Campbell is claiming not to know that. He claims not to know many things. Yes. Uh, the DARPA chief, uh, Anderson, was also injected with nanomachines, uh, uh, yeah. says Dr. Hunter. Um, so Snake will be able to locate him with his radar when he shows up. So the radar that he has, which was actually developed by Mei Ling, who we're gonna meet in a bit. Yes, yeah, yeah. Um, she, the, those injected with the nanomachines, you, you can see them on the radar. You can see them, that's good. Um, so that's how that works. Let's see. Uh, Snake asks if the terrorists really do have a capability to launch a nuke or not, and Campbell says that they, they, the terrorists gave them the serial number of the warhead they're gonna use. Mm -hmm. And when they checked it, it checks out. So they do really have They have a nuke. A warhead. The question is, can they launch can it? Can they actually launch it or not? Yeah. In those disposal facilities, as Snake is saying, the missile and the warhead are meant to be disassembled from each mm, other. So, yeah. like, it's not that easy to just, like, get a launchable nuke. <laughs> like, yeah. That. There's, like, since the Cold War, there are steps in place to right. avoid this. Yeah. Um, he says, uh, oh, and, and then Campbell says something like, that used to be true, but um, these days, like, anyone with enough money on the black market is going to be able to, like, yeah. get a nuke if they want one. So he says, every missile and warhead in our arsenal is equipped with a POW, which is permissive action link, yeah, yeah. which uses a dis uh, discrete detonation code. The safety protocol system built into all nuclear weapon systems. 
but even so, we can't rest easy. The DARPA chief knows the detonation code. Mm -hmm. So this is why it's a huge problem. Because the guys that they have hostage know the they codes know the and codes. they're torturing them to get the codes. Yes. Uh, but even if they have the nuclear war, or have a nuclear warhead, says Snake, it must have been removed from its missile. All the missiles on, the, on these disposal sites are supposed to be dismantled. It's not that easy to get your hands on an ICBM. And then Campbell says, that used to be true, but since the end of the Cold War, you can get anything, you have enough money in the right connections. Right. Um, <clears throat> so then Snake asks about their arms and battle experience. Campbell explains that six members of Foxhound are in charge and they're all hardened veterans. Um, they're tough enough to eat nails and ask for seconds. <laughs> I like that one. <laughs> yeah. Going into who these characters are. Yes. Without knowing who they are initially. Yes. They, they all have like superhero names. You yes. Know? It's like, like Saturday morning cartoon characters. It's straight up Saturday morning cartoon characters. This was yeah. one yeah. change to the script in the Twin Snakes version I really liked. Oh, really? Snake calls them that. He says oh. they sound like cartoon characters. Oh, good. So oh. that brings some self-awareness yes. to that element yeah, yeah. that I actually thought was pretty good. Okay. That's the one change in the Twin Snakes version that I thought was better. <laughs> Even still, they all have magic powers, you know. Yes, they all pretty have, much. They're all superheroes with superpowers. Yes. Yeah, that's funny. But like their names even. Psycho Mantis. Psycho Mantis. Vulcan Raven. Yeah. Sniper Wolf. Like this sounds like something you'd see on a children's Saturday morning yes. cartoon from the 90s. Totally. This totally. is totally TMNT. Yeah, G.I. Like X-Men, G.I. Joe yeah, stuff. Yeah. <laughs> in this game where they're talking about like the the all the ins and outs yeah, of DARPA. nuclear disposal yeah. facilities and and then it's like ICBMs oh yes psychomantis yes of course <laughs> of course that should not fit but yeah. somehow it does yeah um, I think even in this version of the game he says something like uh, I don't know he calls out attention to how weird their names are but I don't remember yes. how he says it but either. in the very last one he mentions mm -hmm. the name Liquid Snake yes he says the one with the same code name as, as you, you. Yes. and I was like oh these are code names yes. That makes, that makes it a names. lot more palatable. Yeah, it's kind of like... I um, wish they had started by saying, these are code names. <laughs> these are not the actual, like, Dr. <laughs> Octorock. They're real names. Yeah, I, I was like, dude, what is this? Oh, they're yeah. code names. Ah, it just took a minute for it to stick. Yeah, and, and he actually brings that up because, like, I thought they stopped using code names around the time that I retired from Fox yeah. or whatever. Apparently not. Apparently not. Um, but, uh, what was I going to say about that? It's kind of like... Um, the call names in, say, uh, Top Gun or something like that. Right? Sure. They all have their call names. Maverick. They have a call name. Yeah, Maverick. Yeah. Or um, I guess this is just numbers. Just but goose. in Star Wars, it's like Rogue One, yeah. Rogue Two, Rogue right. Three. They're right. all just numbers, but it could easily be a, a word instead sure. of a number. So. so they all have those code names. Yeah, yeah. Name. Okay. And then the other mercenaries and, and special forces that they have, right, he explains what, what they're all about. They started out as an anti-terrorist special ops unit made up of former members of biochem units, technical of escort course. units, and the nuclear emergency search team. Their purpose was to respond to threats involving next generation weapons of mass destruction, including NBC weapons. Um, and then Naomi says, until they, in quotes, were added, that is. This was a little more clear in the Twin Snakes version too, mm. because she's looking at a file when she says that. And then and then Snake turns to her and says, who, who do you mean by they? And then she hands him a file and he's like looking at it. Oh, okay. So it makes it a little more clear. Um, these guys in the file that he's now looking at didn't start out as regular army. Looks like a pretty international, looks like a pretty international yeah. group. Mercenaries. They're from all over, yeah. Yeah. 
And uh, Campbell says, yeah, and it gets worse. Most of them uh, were from a Merck agency that I think you're familiar with. They were part of Big Boss's private guard. And after Big Boss went down, the military just bought out their contracts. Hmm. And, then, and then Snake says, Outer Heaven. So these are the dudes he fought in Outer Heaven yeah. in Metal Gear 1. Hmm. They are now part of this group of mercs that are sort of like here in Shadow Moses. So <clears throat> a lot of elements from the first game are kind of coming back up again here. Yep. Uh, after that, they were merged with our own VR unit, Force 21, and retained. If you ask me, these so-called next generation special forces should be called simulated soldiers. They have no real battle experience. And then um, Snake says, video game players, huh? Nice. <laughs> Great one. Uh, don't forget they've all been strengthened with gene therapy, says Dr. Yes. Hunter. They carry genes which make them excellent soldiers. Don't get careless just because they don't have much experience. So they've all been through gene therapy. She also mentions they're like all freaking geniuses with IQs over 180. And oh, wow. like all this stuff. And so like they don't seem like it when they're walking around going, what's this? Whose footprints are these? I know, they sure don't seem, uh, yeah. Guess it's nothing. Guess it's nothing. You can, I did this, <laughs> I didn't find this out till later, but if you're, in a, if you're in a pinch, you can go up behind somebody, like grab them, throw them on the ground and run past them, and they'll like not. Get up and be like, They'll what? be like, what was that? <laughs> oh, I guess it was nothing. Like, these what? geniuses, level these 180 IQ. absolute geniuses. <laughs> What's yeah. this? Oh, it's just a box. <laughs> now, walk away. You forgive it before you realize they're, yeah. well, I guess without thinking that they're supposed to be these perfect super soldiers. But you know what's funny? When I think of like the perfect soldier, I actually think of the movie Forrest Gump. Oh, really? Yeah. Because there's the, who is, is it Arlie Ermey? Is it Arlie Ermey? I can't remember. Whoever it was who was training him at boot camp oh, was telling yes. him, you're the best soldier I've ever seen. Because all he ever does is just do whatever they tell him to do. Yes, exactly right. as they told yes, him to do it. Right. That's perfectly, right. That's right. Perfectly. But IQ wise, I mean, <laughs> six, 60s actually, yeah. maybe um, yeah. for Forrest Gump. But it's like that made him the best soldier was having actually kind of like a lower IQ. Yeah. So that's funny. these high IQ soldiers, they're they going to be the yeah, ones that will second guess point. They the would command. be second guessing They'll be coming up with their own ideas. That's They'll actually be, a really good point. Yeah, and well, yeah, for lots they're, of reasons. They're not going to want to follow an order because they're going to think of all the reasons why it wouldn't make sense to do yes. that. Or they they wouldn't be willing yeah. to be grunts because they know that they've got right. other plans. Right. Good point. Okay, so we talked about the six members of Foxhound. We got up to Liquid Snake. Yes. And then he hands him a picture of Liquid Snake, and this is shocking because yeah. he looks just like Solid Snake. Yeah. Identical. And um, this, this soldier, Liquid Snake, actually was raised in England and was in like the, the British Secret Service, I think SIS. SAS, um, or SIS. Well, he went into SIS, originally he was in oh. the SAS. SAS, yeah. It's he like fought the, Air, in, the Air Force thing. Yeah, he fought in the Gulf War. Uh, he was rescued by the US from, mm. like he was like taken captive there and then mm. went back into the SIS. He was like a sleeper for them. Um, <clears throat> never once showed his face in Century House, he says. He's taken prisoner in Iraq, and after that, there was no trace of him for several years. After you retired, he was rescued and became a member of Foxhound. So he, after Snake, hmm. Solid Snake left, Liquid Snake came into Foxhound. Now he's leading Foxhound. <clears throat> it's so weird because um, I hadn't played any of the games before this, right? Yeah. So they're talking about, oh, we used to be part of Foxhound. We... 
I was the leader of Foxhound, you used to be in Foxhound, and Foxhound is the bad guys. Yeah, now. Yeah, but yeah. that's... First playing this game, it wasn't clear exactly. I thought we were Foxhound and they were something else, or they were Foxhound, but we were... Yeah. Like, we're, we're just nothing, I guess. Yeah, this is like... Yeah, they're no... Foxhound is Rogue now, but it used to be... But it used to not be. Yes. Just a few years earlier. Yes. Right? Okay. Except that... Yeah. Big so Boss I got was that. leading them, and Big Boss was rolling. I but. know, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I do. I did get that much for sure. But and I understood it as I played more. But um, it wasn't apparent at first. That's right. for sure. I I agree. Like, even with all of this exposition and this ext- extremely long, yeah. like twenty plus minute scene, yeah, it, there's still things that like if you have not played the pre, they do a pretty good job of talking in a way that you know lets you know that they've known each other before. In Metal Gear yeah. 2, Campbell yeah, led Metal Gear 2 Solid Snake. Campbell was the, was the commander of Foxhound mm-hmm. and was like Snake's superior. That's how they knew each other. But before that, it was Big Boss in Metal Gear 1, right? So, anyway. Um, I like the name Liquid Snake, right? Because now we have Solid and Liquid. Yes. So, they're named the same so that they're going to be similar, but they have different adjectives that describe them, yes. right? And they're like opposites, right? Uh, so, that's telling us that while they may look the same, the outer shell, the name, the appearance, their interiors will be very different, complete opposites, right? Mm-hmm. So n- Liquid Snake will be the antithesis to Solid Snake. And uh, I put in my notes here, I take notes as I'm playing, right? So I say, I see where this might be going, da, da, da. Yeah. So, <clears throat> I don't know his real name. That information is so highly classified that even I can't look at it, but here's a photo of him. And pretty shocking, huh? His skin yeah. tone is different, but otherwise you're exact duplicates. And Snake says, I have a twin? Because he has no idea, like, who this could be, right? Yeah. And uh, Campbell says, I don't know the details, but it seems so. That's why we really need you for this mission. Uh, and then Naomi's line here is funny to me. I put lol again. <laughs> You're the only one who can beat him. Now that I've met you, I know. You've got something he doesn't. I can see it in your eyes. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Very nice. Thank you, Naomi. And then Snake says, why don't I find that thought more comforting? And that's kind of the end of that one. And then, uh, oh, this leads to the end of it. So then at the end of this, the last part of it is Snake is like, give me your scissors real quick. She's like, oh, for what? And he starts cutting his hair. And he says, I don't want to be mistaken for the leader of the terrorists. And I'm sitting here like, why that, would you not uh, want that? That's a godsend. exactly what a you god, want. You're, oh my for gosh. For infiltrating. <laughs> it's like, yes, what? But, but Solid Snake has principles. <laughs> I guess so. Well, <laughs> That's brought up a lot. Even actually. even if the entire world is going to face a nuclear bomb, he will be himself, darn it. Yep. Yeah. Yep. But no, it makes no sense. Yeah. You absolutely should look exactly like Liquid yes, and should go in there as much as posing you can. as Liquid anytime they see yep. you. Get an English accent, just kind of practice that a bit. Spend the yep. next 6 hours practicing your accent. <laughs> don't don't worry about any of this stuff. Yeah. Anyway, it took a lot know. longer to get through that than I thought it was going to. So I think we might want to actually end here. Uh, and then continue into the actual start of the game next time. Fair enough. Um, we're going to leave off there, and uh, we'll continue next time into the actual infiltration. And uh, uh, this time, we will for sure be getting up to the point where you fight against the cyborg ninja, I'll call him for now. Ah, there you that go. That boss good, fight. Good, good. We'll end there for next episode. So, Thanks for watching. I know, I, I, know we, I wanted to get through more, but like... That's kind of a dense little segment there. Yes, very and, much so. And understanding that, like everything it's going out in that briefing mission will really help you understand very much so. what's going on in the rest of the game. If you skipped this, 
it might have been really confusing at points. So yeah, um, and even if you've seen it before and you haven't like paid really close attention by watching it a second time and like really looking at, it can be like, oh, what's this again? What's that? Oh, this jargon. Anyways, it helps you put it together. So yeah, hopefully that's good for this week. We'll see you next week. Peace out.